The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. And welcome back. Welcome back to uh, the Culture Insanity Podcast. Uh, we are whoa, we are here. Test, test, test. Good. We're here. Uh, season two, episode one. February. What is it? February second. Yeah, February second, season two, episode one. So, welcome to the first episode of the new season. Um, you probably have noticed by now, if you're watching this or you're paying attention to the stream at any sort or the Facebook page, that it is nine o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. Ish. It's supposed to, yeah, nine o'clock. Ish. Nine o six right now, but um, that is with good reason. So before we started season two, uh, we had a little meeting on like how could we make the podcast better? What could we? What do we want to be doing differently? What we want. Do we want to be doing that's new? How can we reach possibly a, a bigger audience, maybe or a younger audience? So in that conversation, uh, we talked about um, maybe the younger peoples aren't sitting at home at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night waiting for our podcast as much as we would have wanted them to. So we switched <clears throat> our format a bit to try and reach a larger audience Hence, being here now at 9 o'clock in the morning. Um, perhaps those younger peoples are getting ready for their nightlifes <laughs> rather than being out uh, in them. So that's why we're doing this now. So you can expect that moving forward, I suppose, indefinitely. Um, so 9 o'clock, first and third Saturdays of every month. Um, yeah, so yeah, we're sticking with the every other week um, format, and you can look for us, forward to us then. Um yeah, it's it's good to be back. Uh, I'm excited about it. We have um, obviously uh, a list of things we want to talk about today. Some of those things include uh, this new Michael Jackson documentary that has either aired or will be airing at Sundance. I don't know if Sundance already. I happened. think I think it already happened. Okay, um, but it's going to be on HBO once okay. it airs to the there general public. So a new documentary about Michael Jackson um, that aired at Sundance and will be soon available. Some um, interesting things happening there. Um, we're going to be talking about marriage. Um, we're going to be talking about the uh, much maligned Gillette ad, um, since that seems to still be a relevant um, topic of conversation, even though it's, I don't know, what is it, maybe a week and a half old by now, two weeks old. Um, and then uh, there's a topic about... Um, the explicit nature of uh, shows targeted toward young audiences on Netflix. And then, of course, um, Batman, the obligatory insert of something maybe comic book related, because that's what we like uh, here at the Culture Insanity Podcast. So some good things to talk about um, and some things to look forward to, which uh, I suppose we'll talk about at the end of the episode. Um, so, yeah, with that said, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading whatever way you're listening. Uh, and with that, let's get into it. <clears throat> so, uh, first up this Michael Jackson documentary. So as I said, there's a new, new doc that filmed at Sundance that's stirring up some controversy. Um, and the long and short of why is, so there's this man, 
I don't remember his name. This man um, had a long, a long relationship with Michael Jackson. He, this man claims that Michael Jackson inspired his career, inspired everything about his current life and what he wanted to do. Um, this man uh, was even part of um, the testifying in favor right. of right, Michael right, Jackson right. for the uh, defense back in the mid two thousands or so. Uh, I think it was, that's when he was um, for the defense of Michael Jackson saying, you know, nothing that's being said is true. I never had this inappropriate relationship, so on and so forth, all these different things. Um, he testified for the defense of Michael Jackson, but has since come out um, with this documentary that he made or he had a huge hand in making um basically now saying the opposite of all these things um the reason why this is all very interesting is because if you had been paying attention or educated on that um at all you would know that um yeah Michael Jackson went through extensive amounts of investigation, uh, extensive um, or yeah, multiple testimonies in favor of his defense, all these different things, and he was eventually um, acquitted. Yeah. yeah, acquitted. That's mm-hmm. the right word uh, uh, of those you know allegations and things that were charges against him. Um, again, there's now I think it's like a three hundred page. Um, uh, investigative report um, that's now been made available through the Freedom of Information Act um, mm-hmm. that the public can can look into, can read for themselves on all the different um, things uh, involving that investigation that the FBI has, has released. Um, so it's really interesting. Uh, what's interesting is that this guy, again, like he was completely in favor of um, Michael Jackson and, you know... Um, was saying that he would never, never do all this. But since then it's been revealed that this man like is potentially a disgruntled, what would you call it? A disgruntled, (laughs) not fan, but, uh, I don't know, like employee, I guess, but not, that's the point, right? Well, (laughs) but he was, he was at different points in his, in his music career. Robson, Robson's his name. Robson. So this guy like went, went to the estate of Michael Jackson and, you know, wanted to for example take over the the vegas act what's the vegas act called um i don't know here let me read i've got the breakdown here i posted i posted the article this is this is what's posted on forbes about it's not a review of leaving neverland it is a um it's like an article about the context of leaving nether neverland from the perspective of a documentarian so anyway um here's some of the stuff that was left out of leaving Neverland. So in 2011, Robson approached John Bronca, co-executor of the Michael Jackson estate, about directing the new Michael Jackson Cirque du Soleil production called One. Robson admitted that he wanted the job badly, but the estate ultimately chose someone else for the position. In 2012, Robson had a nervous breakdown, triggered, he said, by an obsessive quest for success. His career, in his own words, began to, quote-unquote, crumble. That same year, in 2012, with Robson's career, finances, and marriage in peril, he began shopping a book that claimed that he was sexually abused by Michael Jackson, but no publisher would pick it up. In 2013, Robson filed a $1.5 billion civil lawsuit slash creditor's claim along with James Safechuck, who also spent time with Jackson in the late 80s. 
Safechuck claimed he only realized he may have been abused when Robinson filed his lawsuit. That lawsuit was dismissed by a probate court in 2017. In 2019, Sundance Film Festival premiered a documentary based entirely on Robson and Safechuck's allegations, and while the documentary is obviously emotionally disturbing given the content, it presents no new evidence or witnesses. The film's director, Dan Reed, acknowledged not wanting to interview other key figures because it might complicate or compromise the story that he wanted to tell. Mm. Interesting. Uh, another thing that was interesting that that article goes on to mention, and you know, this is this is not new news, but like... Michael Jackson, for example, his 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 house was like raided unbeknownst to him without yeah. warning because mm-hmm. that's what a raid is. <laughs> a couple a couple times, a yeah. couple times, and was like scoured for anything that could be possibly related to any of those allegations, and of course, nothing was found. Um, again, he was you know he was acquitted of all these things, but. So this is all really interesting, and um, again, the complete 180 um, in the testimony of this particular guy, and now he's taking it to the Sundance Film Festival, which is, you know, this obviously this huge um, thing, this huge event in culture, um, and hugely um, influential. Um, I'm going to, here, I'm going to post the 300-page PDF. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> in case you're interested in reading the 300 pages. There it is. 300 pages on Michael Jackson done by the FBI when they raided twice over over 10 years. Just a real good read. A real good read. Um, but the question, the interesting question or the interesting thing is that it, this just seems to be a uh, just a continuation down the path of of, you know, well, I'd say guilty till proven innocent but he was proven innocent so <laughs> maybe it's gone a step further now so the question is when did when did innocent become guilty no matter what when did proven innocent become guilty no matter what and what good is what what real good is the justice system when obviously public opinion and things like this film um, just sort of reign supreme and have the huge influence that they do. Like, can can a man or a woman, can a person take take heart in, in the justice system, you know, when really does that matter? Like, of course, there's practical ways for that. Matter. You don't go to jail for the rest of your life. You don't, you're not labeled as this. You're not, well, you are labeled as this, but you know, there's not the the practical, if you will, consequences of being found guilty of whatever crime. But I mean, even in his death now, this guy's reputation is being completely um, dragged through the mud, and your your heart sort of just goes out for obviously him, which might be a weird thing to say because he's no longer with us. But like his family, you know, like what what good is what good is the 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 justice system and the um and all of that when yeah when the public opinion is king what are your thoughts i know you were saying the other night you feel you feel like bad yeah and i know that you like you, know, like you really like michael jackson i do like michael jackson part of your life um yeah i feel bad for him and his his family it's you know there's a lot of slander that that can get out there and it's it's just interesting how with 
so so we're we're sort of in the crux right now of the Me Too movement, and mm-hmm. there's definitely issues that need to be dealt with that should have been dealt with for a long time. Sure. Um, and there's legitimate issues, right? But then there there is sort of mudslinging uh, that takes place to color people's mentality about. Um, a person who may or may not be guilty. And we have to rely on the justice system in order for us to to deal with that, right? The, the truth is, is that the overwhelming um, perception of Michael Jackson at that time, and I remember it vividly, mm. um, was that people were betrayed and that it just made sense. And I remember that, that it just made sense that this guy was this thing that they were accusing him of because he was so strange. So yeah, eccentric and yeah. weird and he was so strange. And so there were there were people who wanted to so most people were like either either it made sense that he did this or that it was like um it doesn't matter that he did it. But pretty much everybody sort of believed that he did it. The, the people who said that he, it didn't matter whether he did it were people who um like wanted to give him like a excuse because you know he had a, a terrible childhood or didn't even have a childhood like according to to some of his music um but pretty much the the overwhelming majority depending on whether they liked it or not uh liked him or not just pretty much believed that he did it just because he was so strange he was such a target but there's no evidence and and the thing that really gets me is is that unlike a lot of these cases, like you know, um, a lot of these cases are are still in court, they're undecided, um, and there's a lot of evidence. In this case, there's no evidence. Mm-hmm. This is a man who had his life like <clears throat> recorded twenty four seven before people were recording their lives twenty four seven. It's really interesting because these are the same people that want to completely, you know do away with bullying and all, all toxic masculinity and all these different terms you see but like yeah this guy this guy is like he was proven innocent like extensively like proven innocent right and he's being bullied now be- right because just because of like how he was and how he acted well but. so he, and he so the first time it was in the 90s and he he settled out of court because he didn't like he didn't like it what it was doing to his reputation. He didn't like any of those things. So he settled out of court. Now, to me, that's reprehensible, first of all, that Mm -hmm. the parents would settle out of court. Mm -hmm. But then the second time he decided, so like 10 years later, he decided that he wasn't going to settle out of court and that he was going to have his day in court. Sort of damned if you do and damned if you don't. Right, right, right. If you settle out of court, what are the implications of that? If you take it to court... Well, you've just opened it up to the world, <laughs> right? And that's the that's the case the one where the one where he took he took it to court that this guy that's in this documentary um, testified, testified in, on his, his behalf. Yeah. Um, you also have to note that I mean we're talking about lots of people who have testified on his or not testified but who have stated on his behalf um, that nothing happened, like Macaulay Culkin mm-hmm. or. Um, Carlton, what's his name? Uh, Ribeiro. Yeah, Alfonso Ribeiro. Corey Feldman. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of people who's, you know, who've come out, you know, in favor of him. I remember that there was this there was this conversation about Michael Jackson's penis. Oh yeah, that Someone went on. Saw it. Right, but then if you go back and you look at the um, 
if you go back and you look at what was actually said, it, it's not even there. It was like a it was like a hail mary thing by Tom Snedden, and who was who was the defense attorney, or not the defense attorney, the prosecuting attorney, and um, it had to do it, with a picture. Uh, it had to do with a picture, ink, ink stained picture. Or something. The kid drew a picture and said that there was a mark on Michael Jackson's penis in this certain area, and and there was a discoloration. Uh, not even a discoloration in the photograph. There was just it was just darker in that area, and so then they were claiming that that was they were claiming that that's you know that that was what he was representing, but uh, nobody nobody it wasn't it wasn't admitted, it wasn't admitted because it it didn't hold up. It was ridiculous. The, the judge didn't yeah the judge <laughs> didn't hold it up, and it's just that sort of thing. Um, and that's another interesting point. You're talking about the judge, like the judge and jury were like known conservative judges. So like if, if anyone's going to want to convict someone like this, I would think it would be, I would think it would be a judge and jury that's, you know, known, known conservative leaning or whatever. So like harsh on these types of things, I suppose. Yeah. This is what the doctor said about it. Um, about the, about that particular strip search. He says, the genitalia were very oddly colored with the dark skin and light skin, and I was told later that the deposition and the photos that were taken absolutely matched what the child had described. <laughs> now, listen to the wording of that. I was told later that they matched. In other words, that doctor, he had seen Michael Jackson's genitalia, but he hadn't seen what this kid had drawn. He didn't know what the kid had drawn. Why do you Ooh. think that is? Ouch. Misstep. Yeah, there's and there, it's a reason why it wasn't admitted because it wasn't admissible, and so this is the thing that concerns me, is is this kind of goes a step further than it, it kind of goes in the direction that that we've been heading, where it's concerning both for the people who really deserve. Uh, both justice. for the victims who deserve justice mm -hmm. and then for the victimizers who deserve to be brought to justice mm -hmm. that that there is there's no meaning behind justice yeah you're throwing it all you're throwing it all out like, when a, when a person you're wanting it but you're also wanting to throw it out right like when a person have, when, <laughs> yeah when a person who's been acquitted and there's absolutely no evidence and he's been thoroughly investigated by the police department for 10 years by the district attorney's department by the FBI it's like he's been thoroughly investigated. His life has been documented. There have been multiple people who've come in and out of his life. All th like, and like I said, before nowadays when we document everything in our life, all that stuff was documented. And yet he's being accused posthumously in a place where he cannot defend himself. Yeah, it's really messed up. That is the future. <laughs> There's... There's a, there's a sound cart that should be out in there. It's really depressing or something. But I'll see if I can find it. You can move forward, but I'll see if I can find it. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it really is concerning, and it's interesting. Yeah, like these people that deserve – oh, you do have that. <laughs> that was just completely whatever. <laughs> it's a little bit funny for the <laughs> for what we're talking about, but – Yeah, yeah. but it is, what was I saying? Yeah, these people that want to throw out their – cases but have their cases like i guess they don't see the the danger in the direction they're heading but <sighs> wisdom of man wisdom of man well and not to get into the politics side of things but um there's this big conversation going on with 
with anti-vaxxers. Mm. And if you look at some of the comments that are made about what uh, anti-vaxxers should... I'm just going to go ahead and alienate our whole audience. I just... <laughs> 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 Whatever you believe, okay? Whatever you believe Michael about... Michael Jackson was innocent and anti-vaccinations. <laughs> Whatever you believe about vaccination, the 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 crazy thing about it is some of the comments that are being made by people about how when somebody doesn't vaccinate their children, the government should be allowed to come in... You sure you want that? <laughs> ...and penalize them. You sure you want that? I mean, we're talking about something... We're talking about measles, just so you know, measles is super easy to treat. Or the as, issue is when it doesn't get treated. Or as Josh would call them. No. Um, <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to do that. So, but but in any case, the some people are like commenting that they want the government to come in and and punish people and like throw them in jail or even even like more violent things. And what we're talking about in that case is like, full government oversight like these this is what i'm saying like people are fickle they don't they don't understand the world that they're creating they're short super short-sighted yeah we, they don't understand the world that they're creating when the government can tell you what you're going to put in your body or what you're going to do with your children or so on and so forth and that's how people are and so we're coming into this world where the justice system doesn't even matter anymore you said something it's on the it's on the same line of thinking. You said something in your sermon, I think it was last week, regarding police. You either said it or I read it. I could have swore you said it, uh, but something to do with like people want them. want police. Something like people want police until they don't want them, and then they hate them, or something like that. It was something, some sort of idea like that. Yeah, you know? something to the effect of that. When there's an emergency, you want them, but. Yeah. When when you're something like that. It's something Damn. like that. You hate it was good. You, you hate them when you when you or you love them when you need them and you hate them otherwise. Something yeah. to that effect. And that just the short sighted and just But that it that is the world that we're creating yeah. when we are not discriminatory. And one of the things that concerns me about this is it, it goes down to the perception of truth, right? Because mm. this is a documentary. Mm -hmm. Right. You have a documentary that's being presented as truth. It's being presented as essentially a historical narrative mm -hmm. and it's going to sit in the history annals alongside other historical narratives for consideration as the truth of what happened. Yet it has absolutely no verification standards. Mm -hmm. All it is is the emotional outcrying of somebody who is questionable at best. This is what passes for a documentary now. I remember when that movie Black, that documentary Blackfish came out. It was it was another one of those super polarizing right uh, movies about well, what is true, what's not true, like right. And, and you heard you know both sides of the story. So yeah, when and like yeah, like we're saying these documentaries and the, at these huge festivals that are like hugely influential in culture and stuff like. This is what the public accepts as truth without even like just a little scratching off the surface, you know. It's yep. just, it's really wild. It's pretty disturbing. Yeah, it is. Which is why we don't get our truth from Yeah, public I mean opinion. that's what it comes down to. Like I know that a lot of people out there think that Christians um they understand truth based upon mm -hmm. um 
that their that their understanding of truth is sort of a, a closed system and that it's sort of kooky, right? But that's not at all what the scripture teaches. Like the scripture, first of all, gives lots of evidence to be verified, which is one of the reasons why it's the most verifiable source in history. Um, it it tells its people to verify it its truth, and then it even condemns its own. It even condemns people for not being real. Like for instance, if you have a prophet, for instance, and the prophet says something, but it doesn't come true, then it says that that prophet isn't from God. So you know what that does? That condemns all prophets in history. Like in the 1990s, like 1999 or even before that, I remember somebody was saying that there was a great earthquake that was coming to Portland and everybody needed to leave Portland because it was the wrath of God. Uh, so that prophet was a false prophet. That's what the scripture says. And so that scripture was written 2,000 years ago, applying to now, even condemning a person in this day and age who speaks an untruth based not upon necessarily what the scripture says, but based upon, like, what happens in the real world. Mm -hmm. So, like, we have a standard of truth that's much larger, but the standard of truth now is, like, it's nothing. I have a buddy, and I'm not going to say his name because it's not what we do. Uh, We were talking over text this week, and... We we're talking about kids, and I like I love this guy. He's he's a great guy um, by you know all your traditional standards. Yeah. <laughs> but he said something that was really telling. We were talking about the raising of kids and like what is healthy for kids and you know the objective truths that kids need and so on and so forth. And he, in our conversation, said, "I know you are very religious, and I am not, but I completely agree with what you're saying." <laughs> so it's this. I mean, I think it's really telling of like where where they are eventually led to. Like they can't make sense of so many different things, and they will eventually, based on what they know to be true, right, fall back on what they know to be true, or um, they won't, it, it, or they won't. Yeah, luckily, you know, yeah. like he seems to. But yeah, like there's there is objective truth, and we are made in the image of God, and that will will resonate with you, whether or not you accept it is another thing. According to scripture, um, whether you accept it is where you'll be condemned. Right. So I thought I thought that was really telling. Anyways, let's move on about to Yeah, I just I just want to say in regard to in, in regard to the whole Michael Jackson thing, like watch out people. It's gonna come back on you. Because yeah, it's it's another one of those Ouroboros things. You you can't let this sort of thing slip through. And you can't just people are making truth claims here. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, it's not a story. It's not a mythology. It's not just rumors anymore. People are making truth claims again about a, a person posthumous. If if they if they can do that, like while this person is even dead and has been acquitted, uh, what do you think they're gonna say about you? Yep. Uh. Okay, let's let's hit this topic and then we'll get into our little game. Right. Uh, so, topic of marriage. So, Steph and Aisha Curry. Steph Curry is, of course. Um, if, I don't know if you follow basketball. He's like maybe one of the top basketball players in the world right now. He plays for the the Clippers in Los Angeles, uh, or not the Clippers, the Golden State Warriors. My bad. And then his wife, who's like a celebrity chef. Her name is Aisha Curry. She recently was giving an interview with some somebody. Uh, and she was talking about her marriage because, um, she's been married to her husband for, I don't know, it was like eight or nine years, which 
in 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 that world, you know, in the celebrity world, is is a long time. Is <laughs> a long time. Yeah. For the record, I've been married, and I'm a young person for seven years, and it it does feel long, and it doesn't feel long. You know, it doesn't feel long for what I'm I'm gearing up for. You know, which right. is forever. But yeah. Anyways, in her interview, she stirred up some controversy because everything's controversial nowadays. Mm-hmm. But she stirred up con- some especially controversy. things that are sane. Yeah, <laughs> but she said this in her interview, um, talking about marriage. The one thing that uh, both of the in-laws, the in-laws shared with us. So both the thing that both of our parents shared with us, some through learning it the hard way, some through just making sure that they do it, is just making sure that we put each other first, even before our kids. As tough as that sounds, putting ourselves first and making sure that we make time for date nights and for each other. That's been very important, as hard as it is. She goes on to say, um, because when you become a parent, you want to put your kids first, and we do. But we do it second to our relationship. She's saying we do as a general generality. Right. Um, because ultimately when our relationship is good, the kids are happy and they're thriving and our family life is good. We have to put that into perspective and realize that it's not us being selfish. It's making sure we have a strong foundation. <gasps> I know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> First of all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. It's here somewhere. <laughs> yes. She should be applauded. She should be applauded. What a groundbreaking, what a groundbreaking suggestion she just made in this interview. <laughs> Put your marriage first. Um, yeah, obviously, obviously that's turned up controversy because the world, you know, society would have have you believe that um, your kids are the most important um, above everything, above your marriage, above anything in your family, above your career maybe yeah like above god above whatever like it's kids are number one and well that's just not true um so we applaud her for that um and obviously the question for us to answer to those what no uh, people are how can your marriage possibly be more important than your kids um so i'll let you start and shed some light on that well i think that they i think that she answered it pretty perfectly honestly the foundation Um, yeah Mm -hmm. she called it a foundation let me oh my oh there we go uh, let's see. She said, because ultimately when our relationship is good, the kids are happy and they're thriving and our family life is good. <laughs> I mean, I think that that is pretty much what it is. Um, it does provide the foundation. Like, listen, like the relationship between a man and a woman that turns into marriage and that creates children mm-hmm. is the foundation for society. That's the biblical model. That's just the historical model. That's how it works. And having a functioning relationship between a a husband and a wife creates a number of things for the children. But the biggest thing is it creates perspective on a functioning society, how it is that people collaborate with each other, how it is that people argue with each other while at the same time still being connected to each other. I like that point, too, and I think that that – probably was brushed under the rug in what she was saying because there's a there's a sure. big controversial statement but she said that her parents demonstrated even the hard stuff yeah. you know i think that's that's huge because a kid has to grow up knowing what's real you know right. like it's not always just hey everything's perfect you know right. like this right. weird exactly. 19 what 50s 
like yeah. every, smile like Norman Rock. I don't know Norman Rockwell, but whatever. Like yeah, smile on right. your face, everything's just perfect, and you yeah. know the perfect times or whatever. It's it's not like it's wor- it, the, it's work. <laughs> the cliche of it's work is it's true. Like, it's work, and if your children get to see you go through that, but still be committed to each other, mm-hmm. that e- even if you're the type of person in that relationship that sort of has to blow off steam before you get back into it. Just seeing that you keep coming back to the relationship over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, the, just the, see- the hope that's demonstrated is right. like huge for a right. kid. Like then and, they learn that in the, like the development, like the psychological, all of it. Like it's, it's so important for a kid to see that, like, and see that they're safe and you know, their parents are, you know, Right, going to be there. Well, like, and let's and let's get into the formative aspect of of just relationships in general. Like, think about it. The most profound relationships that your children are going to have are with you, you mm-hmm. and and your spouse, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're going to learn things about their identity. For instance, they're going to learn what it is to be a man or or what it is to be a woman. Yeah. But on top of that, they're going to learn how to interact with the opposite sex. Yeah, they right? Say a daughter's first love is their their father and a, a, a son's a son learns how to take care of a woman exactly and the way he you know treated his mother exactly so <laughs> now let's say that you that you are a broken marriage for whatever reason and there's lots of reasons there's even ones that are sad but biblically let's say not appropriate but understandable um like adultery for instance mm-hmm. Um, so if you're a parent that has left that relationship and your child is watching you, let's say that you're a father who's left that relationship and you're, and you've got a little boy who's watching you, then what you have done in that one act is you've opened up the doorway for your child to think that there is a quitting point to that relationship. Right. And that, that takes a huge toll on a child. It rocks their world. Absolutely. And then on top of it, then you then that child has to deal with that in their in their own relationships when they when they get older you want to know why people have no hope for their marriages why people why like why so many children have no hope for any real relationship why it's all about what they can get now in the moment mm-hmm. well it's because they grew up thinking that they grew up thinking it with you know the processing of what a child gets when their relationship is isn't intact. It's the same reason why um, one of the things that Michelle and I saw in the foster system, for instance, mm. is uh, when you put food in front of a child, they'll eat it as fast as they can, or they'll hide that, or they'll hide that food. Because they don't know when it's coming again. That's right, because mm-hmm. they don't know when it's coming again. It's the same thing. Like a child gets into a relationship thinking that, you know, this is how they're going to handle it. Um, because they've seen that relationships don't work out. And so what do they do? They have relationships where they can get what they want now. And so then they turn to things like, you know, um, so then culture is created, like hookup culture, for instance. And there's a lot more that goes into that. There's a lot more variables that go into that. But don't think that there isn't a profound effect on children whose parents come from a broken marriage. Now, all of that can be healed. It can be healed through Christ. Um and made whole when we adopt the under the biblical narrative as opposed to the narrative that we start with. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's a really terrible thing. And one of the, and, and so this narrative, it's sort of self self informing in our culture, this narrative that children need to come first. Well, let's 
be clear, the reason why there's a narrative that children need to come first is because at some point there were a bunch of children who understood that they need to come first. And so then they taught that children need to come first. Mm. And then they taught that children need to come first. Why? Because we're all a bunch of children who've been rejected by broken families. So what's the one thing we can do? We can watch out for our children in the future. Mm. It's, it's a self-informing narrative that yeah. creates a cycle and it's not right. And we need that revelation from scripture to come in and tell us, no, this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. This is, this is relevant in a, in a relationship I have with a, with a friend like, his marriage is struggling right now and I'm like trying to talk to him about these things and he's, he's at a point of hopelessness, you know, I've tried, I've tried, it doesn't work. This doesn't work, blah, 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 blah. And like I've witnessed, I've witnessed interactions and stuff like via the phone and stuff. And it's, I'm always like trying to encourage him like, Hey man, like if you need, if you need to go, like go take care of your business, you know, like, yeah, like you don't have to, like, we don't have to be talking right now. Like I please go do that. Like, right. Well, this is for the kids and this is for the kids and blah, blah, blah. well, like um, what are you teaching them, man? Well, it's what the, are you teaching it's, kids? it's the wrong diet. I yeah. mean, that's what it comes down to. Take it from the perspective. Like if you're like trying to lose weight, for instance, you know, and so you're exercising to lose weight, but you're filling yourself with carbs. Mm-hmm. It's like, what do you expect to happen in that? You're, you're filling yourself with exactly what's going to make you fat. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's the issue here. It's not that the effort's not being put in. And I think a lot of people are trying to put in the right effort. They really love their kids. They really want to do right by them. They don't want to see their kids go through the same thing. But they're missing. Their perspective's wrong. They're missing that piece. They yeah. need to Which shift their attention. Piece. It's like <laughs> the crux, you know, it's like, Right. It's the yeah. I would I don't I don't say the cornerstone because I don't believe that, but right. it is a huge piece. Right. Um the scri- the scripture teaches that um when a man and a woman join in marriage, they become one before God. So, you have to take that very seriously. A child is an offshoot of that. Think of a child as the branch and the um that's capable of bearing seeds and all that sort of stuff. The but the tree is the man and the woman. If you separate the tree, the child dies. <laughs> they could be cut off and then grafted into another tree, yeah. which is what, you know, like adoption, foster care, all that sort of stuff is. But yeah, yeah. you want to know why the branches are dying? It's because the tree's dead. So keep yeah. the tree alive. I'm reminded of on an airplane when they tell you, put your mask on first. Same thing. Because you're no good to your kid if you're passed out. <laughs> Right, exactly. You know, like, same thing. That's a crude. That's a crude example. Same but. thing. And, and let me let me say, like, some people may think that that's mean. I know that that's a big thing. Some people think that that's mean. How could you tell a you child? You hear it that? every time you're on a plane. You hear like somebody behind you. Right. <laughs> I always do. Right. Somebody may I've think that the, that's this. mean. How could you tell a child <laughs> that? But let me tell you, as one who's told it, two of my children and many more people that are my surrogate Here children. Comes the bold statement. <laughs> <laughs> It makes them feel safe. It makes them feel safe because they know that they're not in control because that's what happens, right? The onus uh, on the relationship then becomes the relationship between the child and, and, and the one parent or sometimes both of the parents separately. So what you're telling the, the child is that the relationship has to split because of that child. Now, it may, they may not understand – or you may not understand the fullness of it because you 
how do I say this? You may not understand the concreteness of that idea because you are a dynamic individual who's mm -hmm. grown now. But a child is not going to see it that way. They will feel put in the middle. Hmm. Read, read, read the statistics on it. This is what children feel. Children who are, are in broken homes, yep. they feel put in the middle of their parents because their parents choose them over each other. And, and then they're like, oh, it's not about you. It's, it's about us. But really, you know, you're, the child has to choose between the two. It's, it's like, and let me tell you, like, as someone who went through that, like, that is tough to go through, man. Like, there's one conversation in particular that I <laughs> that remember, like, vividly, like, where we were, where we sat, like, and we were literally, like, asked which direction we wanted to go. And that is like an impossible, that's called an impossible situation Yeah. <laughs> as a kid. Like there is no right answer. Both answers are also wrong. Like, and the, the damage is like crazy on your, like your mind. You yeah. Know? And when you make that you're choice, then that you're solidifying the, the brokenness of the relationship. And it's really sad. Yeah. It's really sad. Um, now let's go to one. So good. So good on these guys. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what their, I don't know what their background is and belief yeah, um, yeah, but they have the right idea, right? Totally. So we commend that. Um, okay, let's get into our game. Okay, hit it. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> Hello. All right. Sorry. <laughs> All right. All right, Josh. All right. <laughs> All right. We got one. Do we have two? Hello? Oh, I hear two. There's one. Do we got another one in here? Uh, so oh, far, I can hear ourselves in there. <laughs> Do we have a an L.U. Castillo of Oregon? Maybe. We have a John. John, where are you from? I am originally from Long Beach, California. So we have a John from a Long Beach, California. Oh, is that California. true? Huh. He's a military brat. Weird. Right? You're a military brat. Maybe, 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 yep. <laughs> All right. Well, there our other caller is experiencing some difficulties, which is difficult. So... Why don't you explain the game while we try to get him? Okay, so the game is Super Bowl. The theme of the trivia is Super Bowl ad. Super Bowl ads. Yeah. Super Bowl ads. So it's basic trivia. Because Super Bowl is on Sunday. Super Bowl is tomorrow. Or tomorrow, yeah. Yay, if you like Super Bowl. So I saw a Facebook post that I posted four years ago. It's one of those memories that yeah. circulates. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't always watch football, but when I do, I remember why I don't always watch football. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't like football. Yeah, it's like Super Bowl 53, right? Is it? Yeah, I think it's 53. 53 years of people bashing their heads together. Yep. Oh, okay, there, there we, we go. go. We have contestants. Welcome. Okay, so the theme for our new new joiners is Super Bowl commercials. Okay, it's basic trivia, and I got some questions here or trivia, whatever's, and I'm just gonna start rattling off. First to answer wins. This is for season two's first champion. Are we on the same page? Sure. Okay. I got it. Yep. So here we go. 
To secure a 30-second ad during Super Bowl Sunday, you can expect to pay about this much. John. $10 million. Ooh, uh, L.U. gets it because he's closest. The answer is around $5 million. 30-second ad, $5 million-ish. one nothing. 15 years has passed since this infamous moment between performers. What is the uh, nip slip for Jan Jackson? <laughs> what is? <laughs> I appreciate your form. I appreciate your form. 1-1. One, one. 1984 was the title of this company's very massive announcement in which the product being advertised was never actually shown, directed by Ridley Scott. Come on, only these masters of advertising would be so bold. I want to say like the Echo, but that's way too... 1984? 1984. Was that... Wrong and wrong. The answer is Macintosh. It was the post-apocalyptic Android ad, you know, hammer being thrown at the screen. Anyways, 1-1 one, one still. This big company... I was one. You were one. I don't know that. 84? Trivia doesn't care how old you I were. I know when, nothing about the, the 1980s. <laughs> this big company... Who was, the, who was their first president, John? <laughs> okay, okay. <it's> just, <laughs> chatter down, chatter down. This big company... Twisted MLK Jr.'s intended words to follow Jesus and instead buy their product. Chevy. Wrong. Or GM. Wrong. Time's up. Ram trucks. Ram trucks. 1 1 is still the score. Next up. This old Super Bowl spot became so popular that it sparked a made-for-TV movie. What is... Following the Super Bowl? Wrong. What? Is that a question still? <laughs> what, what was the question? What? The question is, this... The thing is, this old Super Bowl spot became so popular that it sparked a made-for-TV movie. Time's up. The mean Joe Green Coca-Cola spot where he's walking limp down the stairs and his little kid comes up. Mean Joe Green, have my coca You don't you guys never saw that? Nope. Nope. Under a rock. Next up, two boys jaws dropped when this supermodel stepped out of a red Lamborghini in a Pepsi ad. Cindy Crawford? Giselle. Correct. Cindy Crawford. Two to one to John. Next up, these two Hall of Famers competed for a Big Mac by shooting hoops. Two Hall of Famers competed for a Big Mac. Basketball. Uh, was it the, the um, Eli and Big Manny? No, basketball, John. <laughs> basketball. Or That's Elliot. Basketball, Elliot. <laughs> It's a Super Bowl commercial. It's a Super Bowl commercial. Okay, time's up. Oh, Larry. Uh, Michael Jordan and Larry Bird. Okay, he sneaks it. Three to one. <laughs> All right, you have the chance to tie it and nothing more, Elliot. Last two. E-Trade struck gold six years in a row by featuring what from 2008? 
Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking baby. Yes. And for the final question, since its first airing, a Volkswagen ad featuring this famous movie character has been viewed on YouTube 63 million times, making it one of the most popular Super Bowl ads ever. Darth Vader is correct. John, in the latter half of the game, takes a commanding lead and remains the reigning champion of the Culture Insanity podcast. All right, boys. Thank you for calling in, and have a great day. So, John apparently is pretty good at random things. I guess so. <laughs> All right, next up. Okay. This is a this is a good one. Controversial, maybe. So the Gillette ad. Yes. Um, most people have seen the Gillette ad by now. Uh, you were talking earlier about being in the, right in the midst of the the Me Too movement, which is right. what this whole Gillette ad is. Um, you know, trying to commentate on the toxic masculinity. Um, you know, time's up for that. You know, let's get rid of that. Let's get rid of the accepted accepted behaviors and standards of men, and so on and so forth. So Gillette had this huge ad, and yeah, um, a lot of people liked it. Some people didn't like it. The question for our purposes, maybe there's two, is toxic masculinity now a blanket statement for just all things men? And what are the objective truths on what a man is or isn't? So kind of a kind of a big question. Um, with that said, we again want to <laughs> just throw out there like we agree that certain things you know need to be exposed and certain people have real cases and and you know things need to be put out there and all this stuff like we're not we're not like strictly against like you know that um but i think it's worth worth asking um given like what what this commercial uh, is is um showing um is is this idea of toxic masculinity now just becoming a blanket statement for what what men what being a man is for example there's something this is a small example taken from the commercial there's a there's these two boys in the commercial and they're wrestling and playing and the commercial suggests that men shouldn't do that they shouldn't wrestle and play now, I think it's widely accepted that boys and men are more aggressive by nature and that's how they interact. Is that bad? Are we going to call that bad now? Are we going to call that idea of a boy doing that at a young age, are we going to call that a fuel for their later behaviors? So there's some interesting questions in there. What are your, what's your first take? Well, I think you you first have to define toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, the it's sort of a more colloquialism of patriarchy, mm. um, <clears throat> which let's see. So, how is toxic masculinity defined? It, so, it refers to the socially constructed attitudes that describe the masculine gender role as violent, unemotional, sexually aggressive, and so forth. Um, so, here's some examples, and I'm on. I posted the. Uh, I posted the link to this, but I'm on Geek Feminism Wiki. Nice. <laughs> Geek Feminism Wiki. So, 
yeah, so the perfa- so here's some of the things they list. The pervasive idea of male-female interactions as competition and not cooperation. The pervasive idea that men cannot truly understand women and vice versa. And following that no true companionship can be had between different sexes. The expectation that real men are strong and that showing emotion is incompatible with being strong. Anger is either framed as the exception to the rule nor or as not an emotion. Relatedly, the idea that a real man cannot be a victim of abuse or that talking about it is shameful. Um, men, the idea that men are just like that, the expectation that real men are keenly interested in sex, want to have sex, and are ready to have sex most, if not at all times, the idea that real men should be prepared to be violent even when it is not called for, uh, a man that a man... Let's see, the idea that men would be ready to abandon, like, um, their pregnant girlfriend or be incapable or unwilling to take responsibility, um, that they feel little or no attachment to unborn children. The myth that men are not interested in parenting and are inherently unsuited to be single parents. The idea that there's a range of feminine interests and activities a real man would not hold and that disprove a man's masculinity regardless of his other actions. So... When I read that list of what toxic masculinity is, I would have to agree with that. Um, I think it's all the other things that are conscripted into it where it becomes difficult. Um, so, so the it, when I would have well, so I would have to agree with this list when it comes down to um, what it focuses on, as opposed to it as a general whole. How, let's see, how do I say that? Um, like the expectation that real men are strong and that showing emotion is incompatible with being strong. Real men are strong. The issue is that showing emotion is incompatible with being strong. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then we take this concept. So then we throw away strong in order to keep emotion. Mm. That's what I take an issue with. Yeah. I do agree uh, with the idea that emotion is strength generally. Mm-hmm. Um Let's see, like, here's one. The idea that real men are interested in sex, want to have sex, and are ready to have sex, if not at all most times. Uh, yeah, that's true. And for the record, it's not real men. It's just men. There's a reason why we have the output. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, the issue, I think the issue here has to do with, and, and this is this is a larger issue that we're always dealing with. Mm. The issue here has to do with the teleological nature of man's uh, biology. Go ahead and unpack that. <laughs> okay, so teleological, like think telescope, right? <laughs> like, yeah, he wants to ding me like uh, in in cross, cross examination. Um, which, by the way, there's a new one on on online. Um, but anyway, the. Um, it has to do with the teleological nature nature of man and specifically of, of our physical bodies, right? So teleological, think telescope, like outward, like uh, forecasting out the meaning of something. What is the, the what is the forecasted out idea behind these things? So the body has something that it pervades, right? And so, like what Adam just said, we have we have the uh, what do you call output. it? The output. Uh, we have the penis. Um, <laughs> I was being... and, yeah, I know, but we already said it cause of Michael Jackson. So might as well use it more in a <laughs> clinical sense here. No pun intended. Um, right. So, 
So in any case, the other thing that we have that's really not factored in this is testosterone. Yeah. We have a large amount of testosterone compared to women. Um, I'll, I'll try and pull up the facts here in a little bit, but uh, it's that sort of thing that makes us naturally so when I say that, what I mean is not philosophically naturally, but biologically yeah. more so aggressive. So what does toxic masculinity suggest about testosterone? It doesn't, right? It, well, it does. It, it just, suggests it, it suggests that either it's broken or that it is um, like not a real thing. So all or... men, according to tos- the notion of tos- toxic masculinity, are biologically broken. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Now what? <laughs> now what? Then what? Okay. So we'll take that. We're biologically broken. Now what is the suggested solution to that? Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's see. Sex, gender, testosterone. <clears throat> Estrogen. We all become transgender. Well, you can't become transgender. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, How dare I? Let me see here. Sorry, I'm looking for the difference here. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I on a on a like a Oh, I have out, it. Okay. Okay. So for normal ranges for testosterone partially depend on the lab and your doctor's interpretation, but with that said, here's some general values. For a 19-year-old male, testosterone total should be between 240 to 950 NGs or DLs or whatever, whatever that means. And free testosterone should be 9 to 30. In a 19-year-old female, so for 19-year-old male, 240 to 950. In a 19-year-old female, testosterone should be between, take a guess. <laughs> Five and six. I don't know. Eight and 60. <laughs> Eight and 60 versus 240 and 950. Jeez. What, what, do, what does testosterone do, people? Uh, it increases sex drive. Huh. Aggression. Aggression, it can increases pain tolerance, building of muscle mass, um, learning and memory, specifically in spatial reasoning. Like these, these are things, um, yeah, like these are things that are associated with toxic masculinity. Now, should they be associated with masculine? Should they be associated with masculinity? Yeah, that's our biology. Right. You can't get I don't like you can inhibit the biology by by um, taking blockers and then trying to increase your estrogen and all Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. But that's what you're biologically intended to do. Calling it toxic isn't really um, respecting the biology. Not that we care to respect the biology in this day and age. Uh, But, yeah, it's not really respecting the biology. Now, are there for me, the toxicity comes in focusing it right yeah no like and it's it's just, I just funny the because article. even an unbelieving like an unbelieving person would say that their worldview is shaped by science and reason right that's that's probably the most popular thing you hear well the science is bio biologically we are uh what would you prone to those different things because of our biology. Like we are prone to more, like all these different things. Yes, the issue becomes the focus of those things, but your science for your worldview that is rooted in science accepts that, accepts that, you know? So it's just, 
It's, well, it's, it accepts it as a fact. Mm-hmm. So we are, and this is, this is the, yeah, again, it's the inappropriateness of, of the culture, but Adam sort of alluded to it earlier. It's like, if we're not allowed to be that because it's broken in us, and women are the standard, which, by the way, is ridiculous, too. Why is there no toxic, toxic femininity? Whatever. Um, and women are the standard. Then what are we left with? We're left with emasculating ourselves or demasculating ourselves. And do you know what happens then? We become extinct. <laughs> right. Like, we die. When we don't have men. Have fun with your toxic your, – you've done away with your toxic masculinity when we're all gone. <laughs> right. Like you too, you're dead, right? And fortunately, the, yeah, it's it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's yes, there is a there is a masculinity which is toxic, and it's it's always going to be the case. Just like there is a there's a Christianity which is toxic, also, right? Mm-hmm. There is a sexuality which is toxic. Um, it's the language that we use is the problem. Toxic masculinity has now become synonymous in yeah. culture with just masculinity. Yeah, it's a blanket. That's why it's a blanket statement turn. Yeah. Yeah. And it's this narrative that people want to. And little boys, little boys wrestling each other. Like that's how we learn to be men. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Oh, that's toxic masculinity to be men. No, when I mean men, I mean in the biological sense, like we need to work out our biology on each other and that means like that's what we're supposed to do as human beings and that means that men need to be biologically active working out their testosterone with other men i was listening to a podcast and with women you know being sexual and stuff like that and these two guys were talking about their best friends to this day like in their early stages of their relationship they got into like and this is just you know anecdotal or whatever but they got into in the early stages of the relationship, they like fought, like they had a fight. There was like a yeah. single fight. But after that, like they're like brothers to this day. Like, right. It's, re- it's just a really, interesting well, that's thing. the cliche, right? That yeah. women are like catty and men, they get into a fight and they knock each other around and then they're best friends. Yep. It's really interesting. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I was going to say something else as well, but yeah, it's not, <sighs> We shouldn't be in a place where we can't say what we are. But this is where we find ourselves in the world, you know? We can't say that we are men because that is machismo and that's and what does that even mean? That's I really oppressive. love I really love that simple commentary um in the Far From Home trailer where he where he goes, "You look really pretty." And she's like, "And because of that, I have value to oh, you." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the spider-man trailer yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love that yeah. i love it because it's true like and she was joking in the in the she was joking in the trailer but it's a joke because it is a real thing that's people that's where they're at in their headspace like you can't even you can't even con- like make the most innocent genuine suggestion well, without or, being an oppressive yeah. person well or just it's just honest and so like taking the spider-man trailer and talking about it like that's peter parker's testosterone mm-hmm. that's his testosterone informing his brain that she is pretty girl that she's pretty and he's saying it <laughs> you know uh, uh who was it uh william shatner over our break 
he got in trouble or not in trouble, but he got into it with the media because of baby. It's cold outside. Okay. I missed this. I mean, I know the song. Yeah. The song yeah. So fire. he, so people were getting, people were calling for radio stations to not play it anymore. So what was he saying? He was just saying like a man should be able to hit on a woman. It's who we are. <laughs> And people were angry with him, but the dude's like ninety, so he's like eighty-seven. And he I doesn't. Love that. He doesn't care. He's at that stage of old where he's right. just gonna say whatever. He just doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't care. He's not gonna be dealing with it in thirteen years like the rest of us. <laughs> Only his digital ghost will be. Right. You guys know about that? Wait, I think maybe we talked, talked about, about, it. about it. Yeah. yeah. Different artists, you know, yeah. reappearing in digital form with co- completely original content. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. I want no part of that. Yep. <laughs> well, Shatner does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's something refresh, refreshing honesty that a, a kid and an old person have. Right. They just the, – the kid doesn't know and the old person doesn't care. And right. so they are 100% honest. Yep. <laughs> Love it. Uh, well, we're going to talk about Batman. Should we talk about Batman or should we wrap it up? Um, it could be – it could be quick. It could be quick. Okay. We'll make it quick. Okay. Just real quick. Sure. So there was a Batman article that you posted. I, don't I know did. If you posted it to there, guys, but uh, it had to do with Batman Metal, which is a new series. Um, yes. Uh, with Fairly Batman. new. So this Batman Metal, this character, this alternate version of Batman, comes from a different universe, and in his universe, he was infected by Joker toxin. Right. He has a different continuity, an a parallel universe. Parallel universe. So he's basically an insane Batman. He has like the the insane sociopathic tendencies as a Joker, but like the mind also of Batman. So he's like it's this interesting thing. So what happens? There's this whole event in the DC universe right. where he eventually ends up in the the main line. I don't know what they would call the main line. Of, the main continuity. The main continuity. And his mission now in his new series is to convince the real Batman that he is the worst Batman of all because of reasons, right? Right. Um, because because he's a Batman that never defeats never never defeats the evil the evil always comes back because that's what has to happen in comics right right so the main the main batman the batman that we know that's in the comics bruce wayne is according to this joker version of batman the worst batman what what he means by that is the least effective Effective, batman the the villains of arkham always get out two-face always escapes joker's never caught whatever it may be right um and obviously that has to be that way in comics, otherwise we don't have anything cool to read, right? So of course right. it's this it's the the comic dilemma. Is <laughs> yeah, all the superheroes suck then. <laughs> but sure. so anyways, this this guy comes to the universe to to convince Batman of that because of those reasons. He's the least effective. Um because he'll never break his moral code. He'll never like cross his line of uh, of killing or of, you know, doing something with fina- f- finality, yeah. Um, in order to like you know uh, keep his moral code or whatever, and so that's that's the angle that this you know insane Batman, this Joker Batman takes, um, in trying to convince them. And then a question is posted at the end of this article. Um, what? How did the question? How it was, was it less a question and more of a statement. A honestly, suggestion. yeah, it was yeah. a suggestion that basically allowing ourselves to be our worst self to drop our moral standards mm. by relaxing our standards and rules can we be better versions of ourselves if batman were to relax his standards and rules for morality and all these things could he be a more effective batman 
um, which is really a sinister, <laughs> a really yeah, sinister idea. Yeah, it's really jacked up. This article is on Screen Rant. Um, but yeah, no, just to no. put it simply, <laughs> no, don't do that. No, I mean, what we see when we do that is exactly what we have in society, things falling apart. Mm-hmm. The, that's one of the things that makes Batman great. And it's one of the things that shows that this, just from a fanboy standpoint, the writer of this article doesn't understand Batman very well. Because there's no way that, there's no way that the Batman who laughs, which is what they call the Joker version, um, is going to take over the continuity of the main Batman. No, he's going to have to overcome that thought. It is what we call a intrusive thought Mm -hmm. (laughs) and a destructively intrusive thought. So, I mean, you know, we don't want to keep the show going for too long, but long and short of it. No, that's a dumb idea. (laughs) Don't do that. What's the line in dark Knight? Like the joke, you either live long enough to, that's the one you're thinking of? There's that one. You either die a hero or live long enough to become a villain. But there's yeah. also, the Joker also says something. What happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object? Yeah. Just alluding to, like, the, the Batman won't compromise who he is um, in order to do something. And, yeah, whatever. We'll yeah. Take, it's a great movie. We should watch that movie. Speaking of which. Speaking of which. Speaking of watching old movies. Okay, so we're done with the show. But there's some things you can look forward to here in season two. One of those things is we are talking about making a reality in which we're going to do, what do we call it? Retro reviews. Yes. Retro reviews. So our thought is, and you can look forward to this and look forward to our Facebook page and you know information about this in the next episode, obviously, as well. But a sort of fathom event style thing they call it a uh, a virtual living room so if you're not familiar with the term virtual living room the long and short of it is it's streaming something that you and someone else someone else's other people right. are watching like live together though you're not in the same space Sp- spot yeah. so someone in africa can be watching the same thing with the person in canada Right. A so the video room. is synced up mm-hmm. and there's like audio or sometimes video available and mm-hmm. there's a chat room open so yep. that you guys can talk, talk while it. things so are going. we're going to be doing these retro reviews of taking these really big uh, movies, probably movies. We'll stick with movies yeah. for now. Um, uh, generation defining movies, things like Star Wars, Matrix, things like this. Um, and we're going to be talking about it from our you know Christian perspective. And it's going to be something that you in theory can be a part of live and like talking with us or being there as we um, review it and talk about, you know, what's true, what, you know, all these things, true, what's not true, what's good, bad, all what, of it. What is secretly being said? Mm-hmm. Yes, the, 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 the subliminal messaging and or overt messaging right. <laughs> in, in some cases. So that's really exciting, and we're looking forward to that. We're testing out some different services for that, so look forward to that. Uh, we're probably going to be hosting that here at our church, um, but... So people could come and join us while it's active, yeah. Live in person. But the beauty of it is you can be a part of it while not being a part of it, you know, here in person. So look forward to that. If you're interested in the topics of the day, I believe Josh posted them to our live stream here. So they're in the comments section. Um, Check those out. Um, Again, look look toward our Facebook page for things we got going on Um, at Culture Insanity. If you have something that you're personally interested in, although it's never happened, you can feel free to direct message us those things or comment on our page, and we'll be happy to talk about it from our point of view. If you're interested in exploring your faith uh, or are completely new to Christ, you can check out the Help tab on abfpdx.org. There's some things we got going on. We just had our most recent cross-examination panel.
panel discussion uh, last was last Sunday. Last yeah. Sunday, the topic was women pastors. So that's interesting. If you're interested in that, you can find it on the Cross Examination Facebook page. And we had a we had a little bit of an issue during the live stream, but don't worry, guys, because we recorded a a hard copy, if you will, that doesn't have the same stuttering issues that we had <laughs> during the live stream because the internet just didn't work out. So we right. put it, we posted that instead. So don't worry, you can watch it. Right. Um, women pastors was the topic. Uh, this year, it's taking an every other month format for cross-examination. So March's panel discussion will be on church racism. Uh, that'll be on the last Sunday of the month at 7 p.m. So you can look forward to that. We have another podcast podcast called uh, The Abandoned Initiative. Um, that will be on the 17th of February um at time i don't remember the time you can look toward the abandoned initiative facebook page i'm sure you can find it on any one of our sister pages as well culture insanity um abf or lathia bible fellowship facebook page truth time with pastor monty all these different sister programs we have going on um you can find i'm sure the stream on that but look forward to that um this is a ministry geared toward reaching uh younger christian people and really grounding them in what it is that they believe so that they don't Go away from the church. The AI, yeah, the yeah. Abandoned, initiative. abandoned Initiative. Obviously, I just alluded to it, but we have our other podcast, Truth Time with Pastor Monty. That's Wednesdays at 11 a.m., so you can look forward to that. So we got a lot going speaking on. Speaking of which. Speaking of which, Truth Times with Pastor Monty, 11 a.m. From episode two onward, we are going to have a third guest in our Culture Insanity podcast, the Elder Emeritus Monty, who is the host of Truth Time with Pastor Monty. The Reverend Professor. The Reverend Professor. Agent. Lyft executive, <laughs> former bus driver. Yeah. Uh, yeah, agent of the IRS. All of the man of many hats. He will be in uh, a, a part of our podcast moving forward. He expressed some interest in that, and he will be able to offer um, yeah, his take and his wealth of experience uh regarding these different things that are going on in our culture. So you can look forward to that. Um, and again, we are on an every other, or first and third Sunday, Saturday, first and third Saturday format at 9 a.m. So new format, reaching more people, hopefully. So with all of that said, thank you for tuning in to Season 2, Episode 1, and we'll see you in two weeks. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.